Hi everyone, welcome to the Forward Thinking Podcast. It's Chrissy here from CS2. Today I have a special guest. <laughs> um, I have Charlie back on the podcast. Uh, so we just did a big run of uh, amazing guests on the Forward Thinking Podcast, but we wanted to go back to you know sharing CS2's tips and tricks and really helping you marketing ops folks out there who are looking to get, you know, specific experience that you can take into your jobs. And um, we do a lot of great things for clients. And so we just want to go back to kind of sharing some of those. So today we're going to actually be going through a case study uh, on how to use uh, insights from your lead scoring model to improve your conversion rates um, and why it really should be like an iterative process to help you better improve um, your customer experience, um, but also how to better convert leads through the funnels. So Charlie's going to be diving into that with me. But first of all, welcome back, Charlie. Thank you for having me again. <laughs> when was the last time I was on? It's been a few months, I think. Yeah, we did some of the rethinking um, episodes in July, but I feel like the, mm, that was mm. a bit different. This is your full full length episode in I know. a I'm really nervous. long time. <laughs> don't be nervous no. um okay so let's just dive into it so what do you what do you want to know charlie or what should we where should we dive in first i think giving a high level overview and also what yeah. are we going to call the the client to obscure the the real name just client x cool <laughs> yeah client layla <laughs> i have our dog layla next to me um, yeah, we'll just say the client. Um, so we're going to, um, not say our client's name just for privacy and everything. Um, uh, so if, you know, those of you for, if you're wondering why they keep saying client or client X, it, it's just, we want to keep that anonymized. So, um, but yeah, I'll kick it off with some background. So, uh, for this client, they're actually one of our uh, biggest clients, which is why I'm more intimately kind of close to what's going on with this project. But, um, they have, um, a, a business model where they have three different business units and CS2 actually helped them with a scoring model, uh, for all three of them, um, to help, uh, better drive their MQLs through the funnel. And previously before working with CS2, they were very, uh, MQL focused. So they're always like had MQL goals, very much measured on volume. And we did a lot of insights at the beginning to kind of show why, you know, that wasn't working. Their conversion rates were super low, like 2%, 3% from MQL to SAL. And and really we thought, okay, you know, instead of being measured on volume, because marketing was, you know, hitting their goals and they, you know, they would call it a day. <laughs> but really we're like, okay, to actually see improvements and get better alignment with the SDR team, we want to have a conversion rate goal. And so what we did was we did some modeling to um, look into the data uh, to then actually improve those rates. So um, even upfront, we're able to kind of test out the model in some test fields and then actually see, okay, based on these ranges, we can actually hit this goal of like 18%, which for them was like huge improvement. Um, and then hopefully get better than that. So that was like overall. Um, so yeah, so, uh, 
with that, uh, we, we've, it's been a very iterative process. We always go back and review the data again and see by lead grade uh, or lead matrix score, like an A1, B1, uh, all that, who, you know, what are our conversion rates per, uh, you know, level? Um, and then are we making our goals or what are we seeing in the data that we can then improve the conversion rate even more? Um, and so we do that quarterly, which I highly suggest for folks. Like a lot of the times in mobs, we just deliver something. We just call it a day. Uh, but lead scoring or any type of, you know, model that you're using to deliver leads to sales, like really should be iterative. You should be looking into it and to seeing how you can better improve so you can eke out, uh, you know, more pipeline. So I think one of the first questions I want to dive into here is around how you built the business case or at least helped facilitate the change around just being hyper-focused on MQLs and starting to focus on conversion rates and pipeline. I know a yeah. lot of people probably listening to this want to do that. Many are on that journey right now and it can be a tough one if the business has had that MQL addiction. Yeah. Well, I think it was a series of events during the time. So um, at the time, I had worked with our main point of contact there who we have a great relationship with and was kind of um, would show the data uh, to then make the business case. And then she did. She actually like took that to her executives to say, hey, you know, th this is not working. You know, we're, we're meeting our MQL goals on the marketing side. And then they're kind of just like, stop like even from a marketing perspective they'll have this huge search and surge in activity and they're kind of trailing down because they would hit their mql goals and be like we're done here <laughs> and <laughs> my job really, here is done right and then there's a disconnect then when uh our point of contact then really supported the sdr team because she was more in a RevOps role and uh they were saying you know our conversion rate is terrible. We're sending, you know, we even saw in the data, they're sending back a ton of leads. They're disqualifying a lot. Um, even down to like a channel, like content syndication. This is like, these aren't MQLs and we actually just stop scoring those in general. Uh, but so taking that data, um, also one thing that was very lucky is around that time, CS2, we were filming podcasts about why you shouldn't be measured on volume. And so she's actually able to take those episodes and like share it with her team and share it with like the VPs on her team. So I will say that was like kind of nice because it, um, just further proved like, you know, our business case. Um, and then at the same time, I think in just in general, a lot of people were talking about it. So um, the data analysts at the company actually did some modeling too to just show how the conversion rate was just really low. And then also that if they were going to meet their pipeline goals that they needed, they're a they are a public company. So meeting their pipeline and revenue goals, the revenue goals especially, right, is super important for them. They have earnings calls like... <laughs> They need to make sure they're tracking to their growth. So um, really that then further facilitated um, that and we're able to do it. Yeah, I think one actionable thing that we talk about quite a bit at CS2 is trying to 
you know, split the funnel or at least look at MQLs in different categories, right? So like you could have a, an MQL type or like a hand raiser MQL or versus not hand raiser MQL. And if you're able to track that within your, your lifecycle data to be able to see, okay, what is the conversion rate between those that are reaching out that are genuinely interested and they've declared intent through like a contact us form or a demo form versus those who haven't declared intent, they've just engaged with some stuff and we just think they're ready. And if you, if you document kind of the, how they entered that sales process um, and then track the conversion rates for each of those, you can see quite obvious patterns in the data that can then build that business case to be able to like turn off or at least optimize what you're doing for the non-declared intent. But actually we've got some interesting things to talk about even for the contact contact sales that we'll, we'll get into in a bit. And I think the yeah. other point that I think is important to make here is in this time of economic uncertainty and budgets being cut, you know, it might be harder to just fill the funnel with just more and more leads, right? And if your mm -hmm. conversion rates are low and you're looking through your reverse waterfall analysis and you have to just stuff a load at the top to meet your goals at the end because your conversion rates are so low, you know, that's going to be harder and harder because it's going to be harder to, you know, pay for all those leads. So why not try and optimize the funnel through, through the stages and have better conversion rates? Um, mm -hmm. That gets you the same end goal without having to just stuff the top full of totally. leads um, and then yeah. having a lot of inefficiencies through the process like wasting a lot of sales time and SDRs time and you're paying for that time too right right you bring up a good point too around being able to dive into the type of MQL and that's a big point for the scoring model I I kind of glazed over it but for our a lot of times a very basic traditional scoring model will just score things and then put it into one field and that doesn't really like get you much detail we had a mix of demographic scoring and behavior scoring and we created thresholds for each so and then each like for demographics each threshold of score had a letter tied to it. it's like a b c d and then for activity it was like one two three four we actually did five for people who had the didn't even hit our minimum threshold, uh, which wasn't zero, by the way. <laughs> so um, the but the benefit of doing that is that we also knew ones were likely like contact sales because the the threshold for behavior to hit that was basically doing a contact sales or demo request activity, and then everything else was. Um, kind of based on on score and and we knew we didn't want a, like a download to be even mqlable so we hit a minimum threshold so but the breaking the leads out into those levels and also being able to stamp what the grade was um not all grades mql but be able to stamp that um on the campaign member where we were tracking the funnel made it really easy. So we tracked the funnel on the M on the campaign member. Um, this client uses full circle insights. Um, but being able to do that and also create a custom field where we stamp what the grade was, we, after a quarter or after a certain amount of time, we'd actually see, okay, this MQL tied to this campaign type with this lead grade had this conversion rate. And we could actually track, okay, what are, what are our volumes? What is the conversion rate just down through the funnel? So I want to make that really clear for folks because that's actually a great like way to 
track your, to get data that you need. Like scoring is great for sending leads over to sales, but actually it's even better for getting these insights into like, should we even send any leads besides demo requests to sales? Like what's the conversion rate for everyone else that has those other behavior score thresholds? Um, and then it also just tells you, okay, if certain lead grades, um, like a C, you know, a B4, if that has a very low conversion rate, don't MQL it. And then that'll improve it. And you can actually then improve your conversion rate even more. So um, I just wanted to make that clear for folks, like having that granularity and being able to see those like levels just makes it much easier to really pinpoint and measure um, your, your model more effectively. So what were you seeing in the data? So I know you, you know, when we were talking about this before, there were some kind of quite obvious patterns that were helping you make some of those decisions on how to improve. Yeah. yeah. Um, so we definitely saw like, so even before we set our ranges, we kind of looked into the model and we saw that um, the conversion rate for leads that were like just doing a download or a, like contentication was like super low. So we actually removed that. So we, we even stopped scoring for it. Um, and then we saw certain demographics had a higher propensity to, um, to SAL. So certain uh, decision maker titles, certain industries and so forth. Um, so we built our model around that and we were able to actually project that, okay, we think with the, this that our conversion rate will be 18%. Uh, the goals were lower than that because I actually started off with moderate goals, but we wanted to try and get above that goal. Um, and actually, so then think, so going back to where we actually saw the better insights is once the model was live. And so we went back to that and looked at it after three months and we saw some really interesting things and we continue to like six to eight months later. Um, and it's starting to take shape even more now that we've had a longer time for those leads to go through the funnel. So I want to focus on like what we're seeing now, because I think it's actually really interesting um, than when we, what we first saw before we even turned on the model. So what we're seeing now is the, the model is really showing that like by far the best converging, converting leads are from demo requests and like contact sales. Like by which far, is like, obvious. Which, which it's obvious, have, right? We right. we talk about that, right? But then the nice thing is like having data to actually prove that, right? And that that's why I was like, okay, lead scoring is great, but the the model is actually just great for proving your arguments and to showing like the the data. But it, it but I want to keep going because it's actually pretty interesting. So not only was it the demo requests or contact sales uh, converting better at like the highest grade, like A, it was actually from A all the way down to like D. And actually and the explain best- the grades again. Yeah, so Sorry. the A, B, C, D is based on the demographic score. So how much points they're getting demographically for fit wise. Uh, so are they what we think is our ICP? Mm -hmm. um, and actually the best converting right now is our B level which is also interesting that it's not a, um, but that also could be uh, down to volume where the, right. that B level actually has more volume. So 
you gotta take you gotta still use your noggin when you're looking at this data but so the per, the conversion rates that we're seeing for those levels is like minimum like 24% all the way up to for some um, of the business units like 50% or uh, like 40%. Uh, we split out the different business units and each kind of have different uh, metrics, but it's still really high. Um, now on the flip side though, what we see is anyone who doesn't fall into that really high behavior, which is like normally our contact sales range, the conversion rates start dropping drastically, like down to 3%, 2%, 4%, sometimes like just like not even converting really outside of that range. It'll, it'll just go to like zero or 1%. Um, so that, that is really saying something like <laughs> shit. And, and I, and I, th I want marketers to maybe think about this too, is like, we're always wondering, okay, if we only send people who are ready to talk to us to sales, are we missing out on someone? Are we missing out on something? You could be for sure. And, and if it's a target account strategy, maybe you send those to an outbound, um, rep, but if you're actually more focused on taking those people in those other ranges and just trying to engage them more with marketing, it's likely they're going to be ready at some point and they're going to reach out to you and giving them a lot of ways to do that, inviting them to events and webinars and, um, you know, having them listen to your podcast, like all of that is just more and more engagement to get them ready to talk to you. And I was actually thinking about this, um, <laughs> Uh, this morning when I was working out, which is why I'm glad we talked about this this morning, I was like, that just makes sense, right? Like, it just kind of just makes sense. Like, just, and you won't really be missing out. Like, they'll you give enough chances for them to reach out to you, but it's actually just a better experience rather than what's happening right now is someone's just trying to do some research. You send them directly to sales. They hassle them. It's like, okay, instead of hassling them, just send them more content engage them more, invite them to more things like that. That's a better experience than like, okay, let's send them to an SDR who's just going to call and hassle them. And, and then, and then now you've kind of lost them. So I just want to point out like, you know, are you missing? And it's like, okay, why do lead scoring anyway? It's like, well, it helps us see, are we missing out on anyone or are we not? Um, if we, maybe we do also MQL, a few other, uh, ranges of behavior, but these very, the lower ones, like we just don't even bother with. So maybe it's just a one, a two, you know, a three, you know, a, you know, some of the A's, but then B's, that's so like a B one and C one and D one and, and just those, you know, so it gives you the flexibility to like keep flexing those, those ranges of who you sent over to sales. But at some point, it might be, okay, we just send over contact sales. Um, but there is one thing that we also notice about contact sales, which is quite interesting, is that not only are they converting the best to SALs or to opportunities, but they actually have a really high disqualification rate. And so that's from MQL straight to disqualify. And that means that they're just not the right fit. So at that point, we're like, okay, well, 
how, are we seeing any trends? And it's actually been really hard to to nail down. Are there any consistencies or trends between who is getting disqualified? And so <laughs> this is where it becomes more of an open conversation is like, what do you do at that point? Like your model's kind of what else do you add to your model? You can't see any trends, right? Data and modeling is all about what trends can we pick up to then take out those false positives. And it's it was hard. We we really can't. We saw maybe a little bit of a correlation to a personal domain, but for one business unit, we're already taking all of those out and they can't MQL. And we're kind of scratching our heads and and we actually got went back to, okay, maybe this is a user experience problem. Because when you do go to the client's website, all you see is a con, you see a lot of, you see different contact sales pages and it's a contact page and there's not very many other pages to see, to like reach out. They don't have a chat bot really for, um, that you can engage with. They don't even have like a, you know, reach out to customer success or something like that. Um, and so and there's different ways that you can engage with this company. They have a more enabled web enabled sales model, and they also have an enterprise motion. So you can tell as a user that maybe they'd be going to the website and abusing the form to maybe try and get information from, but not really interested in talking to sales for a demo. Can you explain more? Cause I think explain more about the, this because you mentioned so what you're seeing is that the a lot of the content it wasn't it for a specific lead grade as well that was just becoming yeah, so disqualified and can you explain for, for those that don't know what disqualified means like explain, explain why that's important that what does disqualified mean in this context yeah disqualified means that they're like sent back uh from sales and it's like this is not a fit like they'll never be a fit uh, so not only like they're not being sent to nurture, they're just saying like this person's like a consumer, like individual type person, not really looking for the company, which I know a lot of companies maybe deal with, um, especially depending on if they're like, oh, you know, open source and things like that. The uh, or they're just junk, like they they maybe got targeted with like an ad and maybe didn't realize that they're it's just not what they're looking for. Um, and so it just really means like they are just on the flip side, they're not an opportunity and they'll never, they never will be really. So I think the important thing to call out is like being like super clear about that. So like what you're saying is, you know, the stuff that we've talked about a lot and a lot of people talk about it. It's like, you know, why are we MQLing like all of this other stuff, like build the business case. It's very easy to build once you have lead grade and you can really understand like what you're sending to sales. And then it's likely you're going to probably wean off the non kind of very specific. I'm reaching out to sales type, you know, MQLs mm -hmm. or type of, of environment requests. Mm -hmm. But then what you're seeing now is that even in those, it's, it's almost like a binary outcome where it's either, 50, almost 50%, I know it's 30%, but like, or a lot of people are either going straight into an opportunity because they are literally ready to buy, mm -hmm. or they're just completely not the right fit. There okay. isn't really like that nuance in the middle, which is like someone reaching out to sales to say, but then they're not quite ready. And I think that intuitively makes sense too, right? Because if someone's reaching out to sales and it's likely they are, you know, 
they've already got some kind of need or a business case and they're ready to like start a, a proper conversation. And that's mm -hmm. where the opportunity gets created. And I think for this client, when you say SAL, you mean opportunity being created. Yeah. So like a serious um, sales conversation. So for that, it makes sense. Like, okay, someone reach out, reaching out immediately, um, uh, there's a deal. But then what you're saying is that there's a lot of junk that comes through that too. So you've got to yep. be careful because when you, if, if your perspective is that everything that comes through my demo request and my contact sales goes to, goes to sales and they have to like seriously pull up on them. You, it, it's not like, and, it, and say you turn off the other MQLs, it's not like that is just perfect either because it's like, there's right. still going to be some crap in there that you need to, to filter through. And so I yep. think where it'd be interesting to talk about next is, how do you do that? Because there's a lot of ways to do that. Because again, all we're trying to really do is ultimately we want the conversion rate of like what we send to sales to opportunities to be a hundred percent. Right. <laughs> it's never going to be a hundred percent, but like if we if it is a hundred percent, then we know we are the most efficient and effective marketing SDR sales team ever because everything that we're send, telling them is ready is actually ready and it turns into an opportunity. Yeah. Um, and then the, the the biggest bang for buck there is turning off or like reducing um, some of the non like ov obviously ready leads. But then, mm -hmm. the, then there's still an opportunity for those that seem ready because often there's a lot of junk that comes through. And like the mm -hmm. point that you made, it's not like they're being, it's not like some of them are coming through who are just not ready yet. It's like mm -hmm. the, the, those that are coming through that don't turn into an opportunity are usually just not a good fit at all. Yeah. And will never be an opportunity. Yep. So it's like they're definitely an opportunity or they're never an opportunity. So it'd be good. How do we figure out what to do to still not waste sales time with those type of that type of follow up? Yeah. Yeah. So the first thing to look at before we even talk about like what you can do on the front end to um, help this junk from coming in is we looked at actually the source, like where is there a correlation between where these demo requests or contact sales are coming from? And we actually saw that there was a campaign that was probably targeting and pulling in the wrong people. So we looked at the UTMs and we were able to see, oh, there's this paid campaign and it was bringing in a ton of these people that were getting disqualified. So we made that change really quickly with the web, with the paid team where they turned off some of those campaigns. There's a trickle effect to that though, because um, sometimes like some, some of those uh, depending on the targeting might change, but, it, um, but that helped us at least identify, okay, one source that was actually a marketing source for bringing in these people that were the wrong fit. And actually you see that a lot, even when I worked in demand gen, I saw that a lot, like, especially for paid ads. And something you really want to focus on is not only are you creating opportunities, but are you are any of these leads being disqualified? And is it tied to a certain campaign? Because it, it could be that um, the keyword is specific or, or to like not bringing in the right people. And, and we, we saw that. And, and I've seen that before, too. Or your targeting is a bit off. It's too broad. Don't go too broad. If even if your agency is touting, oh, we have this low CPL, well, a ton of that is shit. So <laughs> doesn't matter. <laughs> um, 
But so we made that change. But besides that, everyone else um, was was kind of coming like direct or um, from more organic sources. So we thought, okay, I think this actually has to do more from like an experience standpoint because what we were seeing is a lot of people that were filling out that form were actually, uh, without saying this, to, I want to keep it anonymized, but we're actually interested in a different like product really. And also, so we, we helped the team that sells to enterprises and this was clearly their pages for selling to enterprises. And then also they have another, um, that sells to university and campuses and it's very clear, but not, there's certain people at those companies where maybe they're just individuals who want to use it and they're going to these forums and abusing it. So we're like, okay, let's try and ask on the forum because sometimes you can you can do the best you can from looking at titles, but that's really that's really hard when everyone's titles are different. You're a global company, you're accounting for translations, um, and some people lie <laughs> too. But <laughs> um, so this is where we're at right now is like kind of figuring out, okay, is there anything that we can ask upfront on the form? And a lot of people are like, oh, you have to add fields to your forms. If you're going to add fields to any form, it should be a form to try and get contacted. Like take a, take away all the rest of your forms. I don't care. Like, but make, take away those hoops. But if you want to put like put in a few hoops for people to jump through for them to get in contact with sales or to set a meeting, this is your time to figure out, is it the right person? And also what do they want to meet on? Because then that, that actually like makes that experience even better for the prospect. Like you're ready to like help them and yeah. send them to the right place. I think in, we're in marketing, we're often trying to reduce friction, aren't we? Right. And that's good. That's a good thing. Yeah. But the, 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 the downside of sometimes reducing friction is that um, in these important touch points where we're trying to, you know, really get engaged with people who are ready to buy and have like a very streamlined process is that um, a lot of junk then ends up coming through. So I think yeah. I wouldn't, I would, I wouldn't be afraid of adding a little bit of friction because if someone is, they have been, you know, educated enough, they've read your content, listened to your podcast, you've gone to, you know, whatever they've done and they, and they are, you know, there and they are ready to speak to a salesperson. An extra field on that form isn't going to make them go, ah, I'm not going to work with this company anymore. No. Uh, so, it, if, and if it does, then they're not, they're not actually ready. No. <laughs> so, obviously, I'm not, I'm not saying, let's not have a 50 field form. That would be crazy. Right. But, you know, having a little bit more detail in that. One client that we, um, we've been talking to, that I think they, they had a really good idea um, where you have kind of the main fields on the form and then you have an obvious like next section part of the form and you even just be like super clear and say hey, we're asking for this extra information it's optional but it will help us direct you to the right person have right. the right conversation uh when we speak to sales and there was like other uh more detailed fields which then gathered the information which are really useful operationally because I think they were using a lot of that for like routing to the right region and the right rep and the right tier and everything like that. Mm -hmm. And then also giving the rep a lot more of the useful context to um, curate a much better sales experience. 
So don't be afraid to do add add more to that form. It's going to help yeah. more than hinder. Totally. And you can change your experience beyond that. So a lot of the times like, well, we're going to have to follow up with these people. Yes, because they're requesting to be contacted, but you can actually say they're a customer. Like they tell you that they're a current customer. You can then point them to a thank you page that says like the lot of support ticket here or reach out here. Uh, if you were doing this through a chat bot, you would still give those same options, but maybe direct them to someone else. Um, or if you were using a direct booking experience, instead of booking a meeting, then they can reach out to support or you book a meeting with a support person. So, um, and then alternatively, if you just really can't sell to them and you know that upfront, then that's your time to say, thanks for getting in contact with us. We actually like don't, you know, we don't sell to people in your region or people, you're an actually an individual. So why don't you go try out our product for free here? And so then you're redirecting them somewhere. Um, but you don't have to worry about setting up, you know, sales following up with them, figuring out, oh, do we set up an automated cadence for that? You're actually like doing some of that, um, like guidance up front. And then if you do want to use something like a meeting book or like a chili paper, you can handle all of that. And then you, based on the information you do know, and you're like, this is a great prospect, you can then send them directly to book a meeting, which is essentially what you want to do anyway. And that could even improve your conversion rate even more because now they're not going through this whole song and dance of like requesting someone reaching out to them. Are mm-hmm. can you meet this time? Oh, my reps, you know, you know, so it, it does that. And then also if you are, do you have an SDR team, but you still want to send some of those leads directly to sales, you can then figure out, okay, what are the different people or based on what they say they want to talk about, you can then send them directly to an SDR or you can send them directly to sales. So even asking them like, you know, what they want to talk about, do they want to see the product? Do they want to talk about like a certain use case? whatever it might be, like it depends on the client. That's actually a good time. And then that'll change how you, um, how you treat that lead. So Um, what are some of the other takeaways you've had with this client specifically? And what are some things that have worked really well when you've been refining the, you know, the sales ready process and scoring and grading and everything like that? I think one thing is like, really taking a crawl, walk, run approach. So we didn't come in hot and be like, this is dumb. You should just send them a request to sales. You know, we just said, okay, this company has really big goals to hit. They're moving to this new way of thinking and looking at conversion, right? Let's take their goal and let's build a model to try and help them at least achieve that first goal. And we did, and we did a really good job. There were some learnings and hiccups at the the beginning where people were nervous. They were like, our lead volume's down. SDRs, SDR managers were like, how can we, why are these people not MQLing? Like my team should be following up with them. And and that threw us a bit off guard because like, wouldn't you want your team to follow up (laughs) with less? But I, so we did make a little bit of a slight adjustment and started MQLing a level that we didn't want to with our modeling. And we saw it brought down our conversion rate. And so now then it became a, like, okay, well, 
we did our part, but these people, like this team wanted this change and we made it and everyone agreed on it. And this was the impact. So we actually were still able to report like, okay, don't include those leads and let's use that conversion rate. Um, so that was a little bit where like you kind of take two steps forward, a little tiny step back, but then use the model to then prove that you're right. <laughs> you know, so um, that was one one thing. Um, but then the crawl, walk, run, walk thing is like it's iterative. So like reviewing it every three months has really made us able to bring insights into like what can be changed. Um, and how do you structure that meeting? Because I think ultimately that's one of the best takeaways um, from this is because, you know, once you set up the tracking and you have the data and the data model there to be able to. Mm -hmm. look at the different things you need to look at to improve and mm -hmm. optimize this process. Um, the trick is then actually using that data and over time, iteratively improving. So how do you structure yeah. that meeting? Who's on that meeting? How often do you have that meeting? Who presents on that? Like how, give, give us all the details on how you figure that out. Well, it's a little bit different when a, a consultant or an agency is running the data for you. So we present, we go and run all that data and then we present the data, but also our recommendations, not all recommendations are going to be done. Um, and like what, but, what date, like give us an example of like some of the slides on there and what are you, what you're showing? Yeah. So we'll have like the raw data in like a Google spreadsheet where we'll actually like show all of our lead grades and which ones are actually MQLing in a green in like a matrix. And then we show like MQL to SQL disqualified and MQL to SAL. We actually show for each grade, what's the percentage uh, to like MQL to SQL conversion rate, how many, what percentage of those MQLs are disqualifying and then what percentage are turning into SALs, which is a like active opportunity. Um, so um, really in pipeline. Um, and then we break that out by, and we also show the volume. So we can actually also reference volume because sometimes your conversion rate will be high, but the volume will be low. Um, mm -hmm. And so just looking at that is like our baseline of data. And then we'll kind of like highlight things that we see. And then we'll, and then We've either had conversations about it, but normally we have like a few slides where then we'll talk about our findings per business unit, what we're seeing in the data. And then we'll have like a summarized recommended like changes that we should do. And these are just always just recommendations. It doesn't mean that that we say, oh, client, you need to do all of this, but it opens up those conversations and open up everyone like, oh, maybe we should be thinking about that. And the client brings in a lot of good commentary too, because we're not experts into what's going on day to day. So that's one good thing about um, our point of contact is she is constantly meeting with um, a team called the Demand Council, which has a mix of demand gen, SDR, uh, web team, I think maybe is on in like her. And um, they will talk about what they're seeing. Um, she'll bring those insights as well, because if you're hearing pain points, it's a lot of the time our data is proving but like why we're having some of those pain points um, and we're doing the best we can to address those. And that's been the biggest thing is like people are like, oh, well, we're still seeing some leads come through that through contact sales that aren't a good fit. It's like we've <laughs> we've kind of exhausted where we should go with this who, without 
with also appeasing the demand gen team who's like, I don't want you to not, you know, to not send good people over to SDRs too, because I want to make sure my leads are converting. And so that's where it opened up the conversation of like, maybe it's not a lead scoring thing. Maybe it's also like, how do we handle that? Like, you know, at the front end, that's where we're at right now. Like we haven't made any of those changes. We're now just working with that team to then suggest, okay, what's a mock-up of what that experience would look like and get everyone like thinking through um, if that should be implemented. Yeah, I think that is something that really any marketing ops person listening to this, rev ops person, whatever, they can do tomorrow, right? If I mean, if you're yeah. able to track, track, if you've got the, you know, the data and tracking set up, obviously, if you do, go and have a look, do that analysis, create a deck and present it to the team on how you think you can improve. And that's instantly providing value. Like if you think if you increase the conversion rate, not only are you potentially impacting pipeline creation and positively you know, impacting that, you're also positively impacting the SDR team, making them happier, making them more effective, helping with sales and marketing alignment because they're not they're getting less pissed off about the leads being sent. So bang for buck, it's a really good use of your time and it's a really good way to like elevate yourself in the role and make yourself be more of a change agent, change agent to um, improve what the company's doing. Right. Um, and we talk about that. We've been talking about that for years, right? Like marketing arts, you're so close, you're, some, you're closer to the data than anyone else usually. Um, you should be there drawing insights out of that data. Um, right. And sometimes it's hard to find the time to do that, but you really should try and push yourself. And this is one way out of probably a hundred ways you can do that. Um, and, but it's probably one of the most impactful and just obvious ways you can improve the business because it's mm -hmm. like such an area that is, uh, you, in, in so many companies, it's like done quite poorly, like in terms Neglected. of what's being sent to sell. So you can, mm -hmm. and they're not iterating on it and you, you could really really show a massive improvement right it's, it's it'd be quite easy to show a massive improvement there's other areas where like you're eking out like a percent a percent you could improve conversion rates by like 30 percent, right by less like one change in this mm -hmm. um and yeah. think of all the you know the the positive impact that that would create totally yeah um and you don't have to have your lead scoring model even like you could even do what you're talking about like look at all your contact sales leads and are there a percentage of them disqualifying why is it like some of the user experience are you getting some junk through their customers like start with some of those basics and like you said suggest the changes and uh, what the if you don't take if i think if if you don't have that what's going to happen to you too is like people will come to you with changes and they might not be the right ones. It'll be like scoring. Or they'll just come to you with frustration. <laughs> right. And so, yeah. So that's my last thing is like taking that proactive approach actually can actually prevent your teams from leading everyone astray too, because they're not close to the data. They're not seeing it. They're just making assumptions, which aren't always right. Yeah. So awesome. Well, I hope everyone enjoyed um, our our deep dive into this. Um, if you have any questions, feel free to reach out to me on LinkedIn or um, I'm happy to, to answer them. Um, and if you like this episode of Forward Thinking, feel free to share it with your colleagues and friends and um, maybe also leave us a review. Uh, well, 
It's good having you back, Charlie. <laughs> Thank you. We'll have to do All it right, again. Everyone. Have a good one. <laughs>